0: listening to an interview by the boxer Floyd Mayweather the other day. Don't ask what a girl is doing listening to an interview by a boxer. I'm slightly fascinated by boxing. Don't judge me. But Floyd Mayweather said he studies his opponents. He does his due diligence and his homework on an opponent. And he wants to know what that opponent is doing when he's in training, but also when he's not training. What is he eating? What is he drinking? How much is he drinking? And who he's hanging around with. And when the interviewer said to him, why do you do this? What is the the benefit to you of knowing all of this? Floyd Mayweather said, because then I know what's going on. And some would say it's worked very well for him. Why do I mention this? Because as Christians, we have... Enemies. We have enemies. And I wonder sometimes do we really know what's going on? Because if we want to fight the good fight of faith, it is important for us to know our enemies. Otherwise, we are at risk or we are in danger. So this morning, I want to expose our enemies. I don't want to focus on them, I want to focus on someone much more important. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, enemies, I thought we had an enemy, and that's Satan, the devil. Well, let's have a look at Ephesians 2 and see whether that's true. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 3, it's on the board for you, uh, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning. Let's read together. As as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that is the devil, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So Paul mentions three enemies there. He mentions the world, the devil, and the flesh. And I just want to expand on that a bit this morning. Why? Because we need to know what they are doing. We need to know what's going on. And so let's start with our most obvious enemy, Satan. And you can turn to Revelation 12 verse 9. And we can read that together again. It will be on the board for you. Revelation 12 verse 9. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. Who leads the whole world astray. The Amplified Bible says that he continually deceives and seduces the entire inhabited world. So... He's he's described as a dragon, an ancient serpent, devil, Satan, evil one. Uh, The word devil in Greek is diabolos, which means slanderer or accuser. And again, I don't want to exalt him, but if we are ignorant of him, how are we going to know what's going on? We're going to put ourselves at risk. And Ephesians 6 says we have to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. We're in a spiritual battle or a spiritual struggle. The scripture in Revelation has just warned us that he deceives and he seduces. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, also gives us a warning be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we need to be alert. We need to stay alert, not consumed, and not fearful, like Pastor Andre said, not fearful, but aware. We need to know him and his tactics so we are more prepared for battle. Let's read John 8, verse 44 together. Here, Jesus is going to describe to us... What the enemy what the enemy is like. John eight forty four. So this is Jesus speaking. He says here, This is of the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. And we see this playing out with Eve in the Garden of Eden he deceived her, but he didn't do it in an obvious way. He took an instruction that God had given them and he twisted it. And so her deception led to her disobedience. And then Adam and Eve sinned and the rest is history. And the enemy did it then and he's still doing it now. And he does it in two main ways. He distorts who God is and he distorts who we are. With Eve, He distorted the image of God. He suggested to Eve, God is holding out on you, Eve. He can't be trusted. And he still does this today. He suggests to us, God is not good. He's not kind. He's not compassionate. He's not slow to anger. He's not full of love. Essentially, the devil is saying to us, God can't be trusted. So he corrupts God's identity, he demotes God. And what did he do to Eve's identity? He elevated it. He suggested to her that she could ascend above God. She could be like God. She could be her own God, her own master. She could decide for herself. Don't let anyone rule over you, Eve. Do what you think is best. Does any of this sound familiar? He's still doing it today. He's still doing it today. He's trying to decrease God. He's suggesting and deceiving people into believing there is no God or that we all worship the same God in the end. It's all the same. And what does he do to the self? He increases the self. He makes self more important. So if the devil is the father of all lies and his main tactic is deception and lies, what is the solution? John fourteen six, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is not a concept. Truth is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And even though the devil is an enemy of our souls, he has been defeated. Jesus defeated him by his death and his resurrection. Satan has been overcome. 1 John 3.8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So he has been overcome, but he still has an influence in the world today. But we can live in victory. And how do we do that? 1 John 2.14, I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. So we overcome the devil by the word of God living in us, which makes us strong and which is a powerful weapon against Satan. Truth defeats lies, but we have to know the truth. And Jesus modeled this for us so well on earth. You'll remember his baptism in Luke 3. He's baptized by John the Baptist. A voice from heaven says, you are my son. So the father confirms the truth of Jesus' identity. He's then led into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted by the devil. The devil tries to distort Jesus' identity. He says to him, if you are the son of God. So he's up to his same old tricks. With Eve, he said, did God really say? And now he's saying to Jesus, if you are the son of God trying to sow those seeds of doubt. So the devil tried to tempt or he tried to deceive Jesus, to fall, to disobey like Adam and Eve did. But where they failed, Jesus succeeded. He responded with the truth. He said, it is written. His mind was saturated in scripture, in the word. He is the truth. He is the word, the living word. And we need to follow Jesus and model him. We need to know the word and we need to use it as a weapon against Satan's lies. So we too can say, when he comes to us and he says, God is not trustworthy. We can quote Psalm 145, 13. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. When he comes to us and he, and he says, you are above God. We can reply, for God is the Lord most high over all the earth. He is exalted far above all gods. Psalm 135 verse 5. When he comes to us and he says to us, are you really a child of God? We can respond. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name. John 1 verse 12. Satan can profoundly influence us with his lies if we don't know the truth. He can profoundly influence us with his lies if we don't know the truth. So the first enemy of our soul is the devil. The cure, the victor, the champion is Jesus. The living truth and his word, which is the written truth. So that's the first enemy. The second enemy that Paul highlights for us in this text is the world. The world is used in different ways as a concept in the word. But in this context, what Paul is referring to is the present evil system, which is in opposition to God. The present evil system, which is in opposition to God. So it is the ruling beliefs, standards, values, pleasures, ideas customs, behavior of a society in a particular day and age. And we know who is behind this world system and who is leading the opposition against God, and that is the enemy, the devil. We see it today in our society with the ideas about marriage, about gender, about money, about success, and these are often distorted. These are often in opposition to him. The world pretends to have wisdom. It pretends to be enlightened, but it's all deception. Wrong and right, good and evil, have been redefined according to the opinions or the desires of the day, and not according to God's word. And we see this in modern media, we see it in social media, they are continually painting a picture for us of what marriage should be. Of what the perfect woman or man looks like. What the perfect family looks like. What church should look like. And these are not based on the word of God. Worldly wisdom is deception. And it breaks down everything that God calls sacred. The world tries to conform us to its ways. It tries to fit us to its mold. It tries to convince us that this is home. And that this is all there is. And so we should live it up. We've got one life, we must live it, we must eat, drink, and be merry. What is the cure for this evil system that is in opposition to God? Let's read John 16, verse 33 together. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome The world. Again, it's about Jesus. Ultimately, Jesus has overcome this evil system that is opposition, is in opposition to him. So the Father sent Jesus, Jesus came, and in turn, what is Jesus expecting of us? We read that in John 17, verse 18. As you sent me, this is Jesus speaking to his father. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So the Father sends the Son, and the Son is sending us, but we are citizens of heaven. We are not of this world. We have died to this world, but we've been raised again and sent into the world to help others to find the true freedom that we have. So it's not about disassociating from the world and suffering through it until we die. There are many good things in the world for us to enjoy, but John 17 verse 15 Jesus is praying, my prayer is not that you, he's speaking to the Father, my prayer is not that you, Father, take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. 2,000 years ago, Jesus prayed this prayer for us. He wants us to be here, and he's prayed for our protection. We have a mandate here to lead others to freedom by living in a different system, a different way, his way, the way. What is the way? Jesus. Jesus is the way. 1 John 5 verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 1 John 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. What is the answer to this world, the evil system that is in opposition to God? Jesus. It's Jesus. So the first enemy of our soul is the devil. The second is the world. And the third is the flesh. And sometimes we're not quite sure. So, what does the flesh mean? Is it my body? It's so much more than that. The flesh is used to describe the cravings, sinful passions, and corrupt desires of our minds and our bodies. So, essentially, it's our human condition, our fallen nature, and our tendency to sin. And the most important thing with the flesh is self. Self will self-indulgent, self-gratifying. It's our desire to satisfy ourselves and to please ourselves and to be comfortable. And we want what we want and we want it now. It's about immediate gratification. We don't want to wait. We don't want to restrain ourselves. The flesh is our desire and our one for pleasure, for food, for power over others, for money, for status, and especially for the things that pull us towards sin and are contradictory to God and the way he wants us to live. So how does this play out? Again, right and wrong, good and evil are redefined, or they are defined by me, or by the world or the society that I live in, and not God's word. So to use an illustration, and I have to be very careful because we have little ears listening, so I'm going to to play a bit of a game. So I'm going to use six words for one three-letter word, and you're going to see if you get it. Does that sound all right? (laughs) Have some of you already got it? Okay. So the six words for some of us who are still a little asleep, haven't had our coffee. Physical act of joining two bodies. So that's... i to do three letters. Three. Yeah. It's only it's one syllable. Three letters. The middle letters, E. Nod if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Good. Don't say it out loud. I don't want you to have some crucial conversations in the car on the way home. So, Okay. So how does this play out? So God says, hmm, okay, you know what I mean when I say hmm, that three-letter word, okay. God says, hmm, is for marriage, but I'm not married, but I am, I am married, but I'm I'm not, in this illustration, I'm not married, okay, (laughs) but my flesh wants hmm, okay. So I say things like, I don't need a piece of paper to prove my commitment to you. In our eyes, we are married. Everyone is doing it. It's the way of the world. Do you see what happened there? God's instruction has been redefined. Or we have allowed it to be redefined. And this example is such a good example of how the devil and the flesh and the world work together. Because the devil will come and say... Did God really say, I mean really, did he really say that? And the world is doing it, and your flesh wants it. And so what do you do? It sounds good, it feels good, so there I go like a zombie, like a sheep to the slaughter. Instead of children who put their hands in the hand of a loving father who knows best, And yes, it might be hard. And yes, it doesn't always make sense. But that is the difference between human wisdom and divine wisdom. And I don't say this to condemn anyone. But we we have to all come to the point where we choose. Am I going to choose God's word? Am I going to choose God's word? Full stop? Or am I going to take bits and pieces from the world and stick it in here? Or am I going to live in the world and take the pieces from God's word that make sense to me, that I understand, and stick them into the world? It can't be both and. It has to be either or. And we all have to make that decision for ourselves. What drives a lot of our decisions sometimes? It's the world, the flesh, the devil. Uh, It's not like, oh, well, the devil made me do it. It's not that we all decide, we make a decision, but what is influencing your decision? And my my, my intention is to just make us aware of what is influencing our decisions. Is it the world, the flesh, and the devil, or is it God's word? You know, with the flesh, it wants what it wants, and wants then become needs. So I want that person, I want that car, I want that thing becomes... I need that person, I need that car, I need that thing and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it because I deserve it and it makes me feel good and it makes me look good and after all, no one's going to get hurt but desires are complicated things and they are good desires and they are bad desires so, for example, we want to be healthy but we really love pizza because it tastes great that's at a surface level at a much deeper level We want to be faithful to our spouses, but we also want to indulge in a little bit of innocent flirting at the office, or at school, or in the queue at the bank, because it makes us feel alive, and it makes us feel attractive, and it makes us feel desirable, and after all it's innocent, no one's going to get hurt. It's subtle, it's so subtle, but that's the flesh talking, and the flesh is an enemy of our soul. And so what do we do? What do we do? That's the wrong question to ask. The question is, what has been done for us? And we read about it in Romans 8, 3 to 4. And this is such a deep scripture. It's so beautiful. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Wow. Romans thirteen fourteen. rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5:24 which is essentially a shortened version of Romans those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires friends we're not obliged to our flesh we're not like animals who have to just follow an instinct we get to choose we get to decide Galatians 5:16 to 18 let's have a look at that scripture next one okay no not there so now we have to go to galatians okay who's there galatians 5:16 so i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And this is great news for us because we don't only have to rely on our willpower. And I don't know about you, but my willpower is flaky. My willpower is inconsistent. I just say the word flaky and I think of Christmas men's pies, especially my sister-in-laws. They're awesome. Sorry, cursed. You might get a lot of orders after this, but they're amazing. So we don't have to rely only on our willpower. We have Holy Spirit power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, which is way beyond us. In John 14, before Jesus leaves, he says to his disciples that he's going to ask the Father to send the Spirit when he goes. And he did that. And the Spirit came, and the Spirit is still here with us. The precious, precious Holy Spirit. And so we overcome the flesh by walking in the Spirit, by being led by the Spirit, and by living in the Spirit. And then we will not gratify the desires of our flesh. Uh, I've tried this morning to, to paint a picture. And I think all I've landed up doing is just draw a very you know, vague outline of the importance of Christ in Christmas and the significance of his coming and that this should fill us with deep, deep gratitude in our hearts because whatever the enemy, whether it's the devil, the world, or the flesh, the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the greatest gift that was given to us by a loving Father He was given to us by a loving father. But not only that, he willingly came, and he willingly was born as a baby, and he willingly died for you and for me. And I encourage you this Christmas time to listen to some of the lyrics of the Christmas carols, especially the ones that are about him. I was pushing my trolley around the Westwood Spa, and you'll understand why I tell you it's the Westwood Spa. I was pushing my trolley around the Westwood Spa the other day, and they were playing Boney M. Good old Boney M. And that one line, Man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. And I was overcome with emotion in the spa pushing my trolley. Boney M will do that to you. But I looked at my Muslim sisters pushing their trolleys. And I prayed. I said, Holy Spirit, will you reveal to them the truth of Christmas? Will you reveal to them the truth of your son? He was not simply a prophet with the ability to heal. He is the hope of the world. He is the savior of the world. He is the son of God. Would you reveal that to them during Christmas? And, and I don't know where this, where this all lands with you. I don't know if you're sitting here saying, okay, I knew about the devil, but I, I wasn't too sure about the world and the flesh. So yeah, that was a bit of an eye-opener. Or maybe you're sitting here today and you and you say, Man, I want to live in the full victory and freedom that Christ has purchased for me in 2019. I want to live in that. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've never received that gift, that, that beautiful, the greatest gift, Jesus Christ, who's overcome the devil and the world and the flesh. And I want to ask Daryl to come up and just to pray for us, for wherever wherever this lands with you this morning.
1: Man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. Man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. Maybe you're sitting here and you're breathing. You're living. But the devil and the world and the flesh has got you. Just close our eyes. Maybe today your eyes have been opened, you've realized that you've been deceived, the enemy has deceived you, and after today something stirred in your heart, the Holy Spirit has gripped you, and you're tired of being deceived, you're tired of living this life being deceived, and you're saying, Jesus, open my eyes, I don't want to be deceived anymore by the devil, by the world, by the flesh. Maybe today you're saying, I want to recommit my life to God's voice. God's voice, the ultimate voice of truth. God's word. I want to live according to God's word again. And maybe at this Christmas time, you're saying, I want to accept that gift that Jesus is offering. Gift of salvation. I want to be saved. I want to live with the freedom that Jesus is offering me. I don't know where you're at in those three questions. But but I sense, we, all of us are in one of those three. Just respond to the Holy Spirit today. I'm tired of being deceived. I'm tired of the flesh giving in. I'm tired of allowing the world to tell me how to, how to live this weekend and tonight. And I'm tired of the enemy deceiving me. You just respond in your own way. Maybe saying, I want to accept Jesus, the gift, so that I can live, not just in eternity, forever with my heavenly Father, but I can live life to the full here on earth, getting the victory over the enemy, the victory over the flesh, the victory over the world, living a life on a higher standard. That's not easy. François romano that's not easy. But we will live forevermore, life to the full because of Jesus. What can not going pray a prayer. I want you to pray in your heart. I want you to sit there and pray, pray in a few words how you choose to respond today. I want to pray, pray over us. Let's stand together. Let's keep our eyes closed. Let's stand. These words Michelle read to us challenge me. I want to speak them over your life today. This is John writing to us. Maybe. Right this minute, you've accepted the Lord Jesus as a gift in your life. And you're going to pray this prayer for the very first time because you've never known him before. Maybe you're recommitting your life to Jesus today saying, I no longer want to live a life according to the world's standards. But I want to make sure you pray this prayer or as I speak this prayer over you that you've already given your life to Jesus. And I pray that in your own way this morning, you've just said, Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. I accept you as my savior. And I choose to live a life that pleases you. That's all it is. And so I I speak this over you. I say, I speak over you, dear, dear children, because you know the Father. Each one of us in this hall, we know the Father. We know Him who is from the beginning. I speak this over you, young men, young women, because you are strong, not in your own strength. You are strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. At this Christmas time, Lord, we declare that we have overcome the evil one because of Jesus. And we love you, Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen.